Likuti Sichais, Chelech Kapalev, Volume 21, the first Sicha for Parshas Beshalach. This Sicha will speak about the greatness of the desire of the Bnei Yisrael for the loot, for the booty of Kriyas Yamsuf, all that the Mitzrayim shed as they drowned in the Yam. Also, the application of it to us in our times. Just as a quick introduction, something to familiarize ourselves with, there's a concept called mitzvah oiveres, which literally translates a passing mitzvah versus a mitzvah that's not passing. And the, I, the issue is that if you have a mitzvah that is passing, meaning if you don't do it now, then there won't be an opportunity to do it later, or it's not going to get done at all. Then the rule is that that can push off, or could push away even a more important mitzvah, such as saying, for example, the study of Torah which normally you cannot interrupt any study of Torah for any other mitzvah. Or even if somebody is actively engaged in doing a mitzvah, you don't stop one mitzvah to do another. However, if it's a mitzvah that's oiveres, that is going to pass, and will not have any other opportunity for it to be fulfilled, especially by you, then the rule is that that can call for a good enough reason to abandon, so to speak, one mitzvah and go do this mitzvah. So on the Pasuk, in chapter 15, verse 22, where it says, Vayasa Moishe's b'nei Yisrael miyamsuf. That Moishe vayasa, vayasa doesn't mean he traveled, but he made them travel away from the Yamsuf. This is after they experienced the miracle, the splitting of the sea. It tells us how Moishe almost forcibly made them go away. And indeed, the Medrash says, and Rashi actually even quotes it, that he forcibly made them go away. And as the Chazal explained to us, that the Bnei Yisrael were so involved, were so immersed, were so excited about collecting as much as possible from the booty, from the loot that the Egyptians shed at Yamsuf, that they, they didn't want to go. In fact, it was greater than what they took with them from Egypt. That's what the sages tell us. So it was so enormous, it was so great, they couldn't leave until Moshe forced them to leave. But the question is, the obvious question, we know that the revelations at Kriyas Yamsov were so great. They were the greatest revelations possible. As it says, Hashem himself revealed himself to them. To the extent, as we say in the Az Yashir, Moshe, they were able to point and say, this is God. You can only say this when something is present. God was openly revealed and present. And in fact, the sages tell us, and this is to the extent that even a simple maid servant saw, experienced revelation of godliness by Yam Suf even more than the greatest of the prophets did. So the question is, how? Moreover, Moreover, the Yidin knew very well that the whole purpose of leaving Mitzrayim, the whole purpose of going through the splitting of the sea, was to reach Har Sinai, to get to Torah. And they were so excited about it themselves that they started counting Sphira Saimer. And yet here, suddenly, they got detoured, they got delayed by collecting some silver and some gold, some what seems to be mundane uh, objects, mundane um, riches. And therefore, this compels us to reach the conclusion that their desire to focus on, and, and their desire and focus 
was not about the money, was not about the material aspect of it, but rather they saw an opportunity. They saw it as a means of fulfilling God's will, of doing the commandment of Hashem, at least according to the way they understood. In fact, if you think about it from this perspective, specifically because they just experienced such great revelation at Yam Suf, they were so much more eager to do Hashem's will, and since they understood this to be Hashem's will, therefore they had such great desire, and therefore this great excite, excitement in collecting this, because they understood this to be Hashem's will, and this explains, this accounts for why this is, quote, Baal Karcham, against their will, when Moshe forced them to go away. One of the explanations is as follows. We know that when they left Mitzrayim, it wasn't just about leaving Mitzrayim. It wasn't just about getting out of Egypt. But in fact, Hashem said that uh, and gave him a commandment that they have to leave with the wealth of Egypt. It was a, a commandment of Vinitzaltemis Mitzrayim. They have to empty that, to strip Egypt of all its wealth. And therefore, think about it. When they came to Yamsuf, and now they realize that the Mitzrayim, the Egyptians, possess even more. In other words, they had a realization that they didn't fully and absolutely fulfill this mitzvah and accomplish it to the extent that they should have, because now they see that the Egyptians still have more possessions. Therefore, they jumped into it in great excitement and frenzy in order to complete the mitzvah. They felt obligated to relieve the Egyptians of all their possessions. And the fact that you can say, but still, this is going to delay them in, 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 in reaching Matan Torah and reaching Har Sinai, Mount Sinai, and receiving the Torah, which is, involves the study of Torah, which is the mo even more important, which is a greater mitzvah, for this, one could say that A, number one, the fact that Hashem said, when you leave Egypt, you're going to go to Har Sinai, was not a direct commandment. He just was telling this to Moshe as the narrative, explaining to him what's going to happen. It was almost like a storyline. Hashem tells him, this is what's going to happen. When you leave Egypt, you're going to reach Har Sinai. But over here, this mitzvah of collecting the wealth of Egypt, this was commanded to them, and therefore they felt compelled to do it. This seems would seemingly explain how they were able to and why they were so excited in, 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 in collecting this, even though it was delaying their arrival at Mount Sinai by that much time. However, there's a little problem with this. Because you see, the moment that Moshe Rabbeinu told them that they have to leave, it is clear and obvious that they understood that this is a commandment from Hashem. Moshe wouldn't tell him on his own to do something if it wasn't consistent with what Hashem wants him to tell him. And therefore, they still we need to understand, we need to, we need to clarify how then was this a Baal Korcham? How was this a get, quote against their will? If, like we explained, the whole objective was to do what Hashem wants and to fulfill it completely and they had full excitement in doing so, well now Hashem changed the commandment and said, instead of collecting that, I want you to go. And that's what Moshe conveyed to them. So why would it be against their will? Why would they feel bad about it? The answer is, that of course, certainly, the entire desire and objective was to fulfill Hashem's will. However, they understood, according to their understanding, according to the way they felt, now Hashem wants them to go to Matan Torah. 
Okay, I'm, so, I'm sorry. According to the way they're being told now, Hashem wants them to go to Mount and Torah. But according to the way they felt and the way they understood, in other words, in, in their estimation, they felt that it's preferable to push off somewhat Mount and Torah in order to fulfill the mitzvah of collecting all the wealth, all the loot, all the booty of the Egyptians. Why? Because according to their understanding, they need to fit, they had to finish, they had to complete this mitzvah and then <coughs> go to Mount and Torah. Especially considering that this mitzvah is a mitzvah oiveres. <coughs> it's a passing mitzvah. There will never ever be an opportunity to ever again collect the wealth of Egypt. <coughs> that is something which will never make itself available again. This mitzvah will never be available again. Whereas the mitzvah of learning Torah will always be there. And therefore they felt that they had to perhaps prioritize in staying here and delaying the reception of the Torah. Thus the learning of Torah somewhat for a few minutes, for a little while, in order to fulfill this mitzvah, to accomplish it and to finish it. That was their feeling. However, it was overridden by the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu said to them, no, you have to go. And that's why it's considered against their will, because it was against their feeling, against their understanding, the way they understood what is to be prioritized. And with this, we'll also understand another point. Why were they so excited? <clears throat> what was the excitement? What, what, what were they so excited about? They saw a little more gold and silver? But we know the Gemara tells us <coughs> in Maseches Chayrois, that, quote, there was no Jew that didn't have with him at least 90 Libyan donkeys, like apparently the big, strong donkeys, loaded with silver and gold of the Egyptians. So what's the great excitement? Wait, you didn't see gold and silver? They were all loaded. They were all so rich. The poorest of the Jews had at least 90 donkeys, donkey loads. The answer is that, of course, like we said before, they were out. Their only objective was to fulfill the will of Hashem. The money itself, gold and silver itself, the, the matter did not really interest them, did not concern them at all. Rather, in each and every article of gold and silver or precious things, they saw another opportunity to fulfill Hashem's will. And therefore, they even... They, 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 they wanted to do even that, even collect that one more thing, even though to them it was nothing. To them it didn't mean anything from a material perspective. But they saw it as another opportunity to fulfill Hashem's will. To, be, to even better appreciate this, let's take a deeper look at the esoteric reason of this mitzvah of Vinitzaltimus Mitzrayim, <clears throat> that you should empty out Egypt of his wealth. We know that the great wealth that Hashem promised Avram Avinu that the Jews will leave with and with which they left, <coughs> it's not just literally the material wealth, but this is rather the uh, this is rather an indicate an indication of the great sparks of holiness that was there embedded within the Egyptian wealth, and the fact that it now transferred. To the ownership, to possessionship of the of the Bnei Yisrael, it became now elevated to kedusha, and this, in fact, fulfills is the ultimate fulfillment <coughs> and accomplishment of Hashem's desire in having a dira b'tachtoinim, a dwelling place down here <coughs> in the lowest of the elements of the world, because there's nothing lower than Egypt, 
there was no greater tuma impurity than the Mitzrayim, and by their possessions now becoming owned by the in the ownership of the Jewish people, this became <coughs> elevated to such high kedusha from one extreme to another, and therefore, <coughs> excuse me, when they came to Kriyas Yamsuf and they saw that there's another opportunity to elevate even more sparks of holiness, they couldn't they couldn't forego it. They couldn't just allow it to slip away. And therefore, because of all the revelations they had, they felt compelled to forego their own, so to speak, their own spiritual welfare, namely in learning Torah and getting closer to Torah, just to accomplish what they understood, what they thought to be Hashem's will, which is to elevate the sparks of holiness to make a Devatahtoinim. And this is the reason why it was Baal Korcham. Now we understand, now we can understand esoterically what <coughs> was so quote, <coughs> against their will that Moshe forced them. Why was it considered to be like a force? If this is what Hashem wants, this is Hashem wants. <coughs> Understandably, they wanted to do what Hashem wants. But Baal Korcham means that it was against the way they understood. It was in contrast to the way they felt that what needs to be done now. Because they see, they're seeing in front of their eyes. They see a golden opportunity of elevating sparks of holiness, of taking possession of, of the wealth of Mitzrayim, which is Tuma, and bringing it to Kedusha. What could be greater than this? And <clears throat> they felt like we must do it right now. But yet, Moshe says to them, no, now, <clears throat> you have to leave. And interestingly, says the Rebbe, that moreover, the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu told him, now you have to leave and go to get the Torah, now that no longer is effectively a mitzvah. In other words, the Rebbe compares it to, for example, eating matzah. We know that when you eat matzah on the night of Pesach, you have the greatest accomplishments. It actually, as the Zohar says, it actually infuses your emuna, your faith. It literally lights up your faith from within you by eating the physical matzahs, the bread, the, the, the flour and water that was baked in, baked in that manner. But when you eat it on the night of Pesach, it becomes, wow, it becomes a food of faith. However, if you eat matzah any other time in the year, you're eating matzah, you're eating hard bread, you're eating crackers. In other words, if it's not the right time, if the Moshe Rabbeinu tells you, now is not the time for it, it no longer is an ideal. Not only it's no longer ideal, but it may not be effective at all. And therefore, for them it was Baal Karacham because they felt differently. But in truth, it wasn't against them. On the contrary, now the mitzvah, so to speak, stopped being that and became a new mitzvah, a totally different mitzvah on a different course. Says so that from this we can get a tremendous and a wonderful directive. In the one hand, when a Yid <coughs> is involved in any aspect of Avoida, whatever aspect of service of Hashem one's involved with, one has to be totally immersed in it and with full <coughs> and absolute excitement. However, when a directive comes from the Shulchan Aruch or from the <coughs> Moshe of the generation, which is obviously the Rebbe, then you have to immediately seize what you're doing and <coughs> transfer go over into another mode of service of Hashem. Yes, because of your excitement that you had <coughs> in that one thing you were doing prior to this commandment, prior to this directive, you were 
so fully into it, you were so fully invested, that now it will be as if it's a Baal Korach, as if it's against your will. Not that you don't want to do the Rebbe's, <coughs> the Rebbe's will or the Shulchan Aruch's will. But because you were so involved <coughs> that you have to now... Te- <coughs> you have to like tear yourself away just to, to now transfer, so to speak, to re almost to, re- to recreate yourself into another mode of Avoida. And that's a type of like Baal Korcha against your will. And says the Rebbe, a very practical Hira for the both kinds of Jews. We know there are two kinds of Jews. There's Yoshve Oyel. The Yoshve Oyel means those who sit and study Torah all the time. Their main endeavor is to study Torah. And then there are those who have to go out there, the Bali Asik, those who go out there in the world and have regular jobs and so on. They too have to learn Torah. Says the Terebbe, the, the directive for the Yeshiv Oil is that although he is so engrossed in his learning, he's in quote, in the inner tense of Torah, the inner dimension of things, and he is so involved, he's so excited about it, it's so pleasant. However, when it comes a directive that you have to go out there and be Mekar of Yidin, to bring Yidin closer to Yiddishkeit, you have to not only stop what you're doing and go out there and do it, but you have to do it with joy. Yes, it seems to be al karchach against your will. But the Rebbe here quotes the Mishnah and uses this as a, as a, with, a with a different uh, translation. In other words, with a not different emphasis. And as you'll see in a moment, and it's almost like a play of words, the Mishnah says al karchach atachai, which in the context over there in Perkiyaves, it means literally against your will, you live. Meaning you don't have no choice in the matter. You're put into this world against your live. But over here the Rebbe brings it <clears throat> as a very positive where it says, Al Korchach, when you're doing something, quote, against your will, Al Korchach, Kama, Atachai, this makes you more alive. In other words, if you think you're going away from your learning of Torah, says the Rebbe to the Yeshivayo, no, this is going to actually enhance your learning, although in the moment it seems to be Al Korchach, because you have to tear yourself away. And now on the other hand, to the Baal Asek, to the regular person that's out there, that's going out there and working all day, has to generate a parnasa. Yes, he has to have kviyasitim l'tori, he has to have set times for learning. Says the Rebbe, the directive over here is that it has to be set, not only in time, but it has to be set, benefesh has to be set in your soul. In other words, you have to do it with total devotion and excitement in those moments that you have for learning, as if this was your whole life, as this was the whole you thing. Now, a general hero for everyone is... Another another takeaway from this is that even if somebody already had successfully been the car of many, many Yidin to Yiddishkeit, and he's been very successful at it, he elevated so many sparks of holiness, he could say to himself, listen, enough, I did already so much, now I can take a break, now I can take a rest. Says the Rebbe to him, no, You're, every single Jew is another opportunity to... <clears throat> to to um, elevate another yid and bring him closer to Yiddishkeit, to elevate another spark of holiness, and you have no right to cease doing so, you have no right to stop it, until the Moshe of the generation himself comes to you and says, okay, you've done enough, now you can stop. 